And welcome back to this edition of the On the Rocks podcast. I'm Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post. It is Thursday morning here in San Diego, kind of gloomy and overcast. It's kind of chilly here this whole week. This afternoon, the Rockies will take on the Padres, looking to take their third game of the four-game series and come home with a 4-3 and three record to start the season on the road. I'm sure they'd take that. Uh, seven games to open the season away from home and coming home from Friday's home opener with a winning record would be pretty decent. Hey, listen, a lot has happened this week. Uh, we've seen John Gray implode in the season opener back in Arizona, and then we saw him pitch like an ace last night. Uh, I think John Gray is closer to being an ace type than he is to being a failure. Uh, good to see the Gray Wolf bounce back last night against the Padres. Seven scoreless innings, no walks, seven Ks. And then, of course, there's the story of Ian Desmond, who last year became everybody's whipping boy when uh, the five-year, $70 million man was injured and was simply not very productive. He's off to a very good start, which I'm sure Jeff Breidich in the front office is happy to see. But then the biggest news of all, of course, is the signing of Charlie Blackman, Chuck Nasty, to a long-term deal with the Rockies for $108 million. It could keep Chuck in a Rockies uniform for the rest of his career. Uh, That basically was the huge news out of Wednesday, and it dominated everything. There's a lot of opinions going on around the Rockies' decision to give Charlie Blackman that much money and that long a contract. I'll have my own thoughts on that in the third segment of this On the Rocks podcast. I'll also have some thoughts about DJ LeMayhew, who's kind of the forgotten man in all of this. Uh, all the focus, of course, is on Charlie's new contract, whether the Rockies can actually afford to give third baseman Nolan Arenado a contract of his own coming up in the next year or so. And that kind of leaves DJ on the outs. I have some thoughts about DJ LeMayhew as a player and a person in our third segment. In our second segment, I sat down with Chad Bettis, and we talked about uh, his season, and we also talked about what it's like for him now a year after his scare with cancer. Uh, His little baby girl is just about a year old right now, and Chad shares some, some fun stories about his little girl and what it's like now to be free of all that worry and now just thinking about baseball. So please stay with me. Again, this is Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post, and you're listening to the On the Rocks podcast. Welcome back to the On the Rocks podcast. This is Patrick Saunders with the Denver Post. I'm here in San Diego in the dugout at Petco Park after the Rockies beat the Padres last night in this ballpark. And Chad, you got your first victory of the season. In your first start of the season, uh, I know it wasn't your best outing of all time, but you righted the ship yep. and uh, got the victory. That's the most important thing. No, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean, uh, you know, you have to buy into the process of, of this whole thing. It's a long season, and um, I think it would be safe to say that I'm not in mid-season shape. Um, but, uh, you know, just a couple of mechanical uh, tweaks here and there, and then uh, be right where I need to be, and then uh, keep going. Buddy Black said last night, I found it very interesting he said what you have as a veteran pitcher and somebody who's been through it 
was the ability, even on a night may when you didn't have your best stuff or even your best command, your ability to still find something, find a way. Right. And he essentially said that's a lesson some of our young pitchers, and he mentioned John Gray and Kyle Freeland and Antonio Zanzatella, that they have to learn. When did you start to know that you could go out there, maybe you had bad luck or maybe your stuff wasn't quite on point, that you could still find a way to give your team five or six innings. Yeah, you know, I think I think it comes back down to just uh, uh, it's it's very uh, common to say, but on a pitch to pitch basis, you know. But I think you dig in a little bit deeper, and you say not just a pitch to pitch basis, but each pitch is going to be individual and independent of one of the other, right? Um, and so on and so forth. Therefore, that would make my bullpen pregame independent of what's going to happen in the game. I sometimes got a lot of guys read into what what will happen in their pregame bullpen leading up to what can happen in the game if you take those two things and make them independent of one another that doesn't dictate what happens out here therefore you can you can read a little bit more into the game as what's going to work and what's not going to work because what works here doesn't necessarily transition from what happened in your pregame bullpen and I think that was kind of what happened last night you know I didn't think that like you said my command wasn't as sharp as it could be or has been um, and what I expect it to be but uh, you know you have to go out there and, and battle because you know we, we have guys on our on this team that we expect to win um, it doesn't matter if you have a great day or a bad day right. at the ballpark you have to go out there and fight for them. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and it's interesting you bring up bullpen, and I'm not talking about pregame bullpen. I'm mm-hmm. talking about your off-day bullpen. Yeah. Just a basic question. You started last night. When will you do your next real bullpen? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. And take take me through, or take the listeners through, what will that entail? Do you take what happened last night, mm-hmm. look, review the film? Yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah, take I, us through a little bit of what that bullpen session is for and what goes into it? Yeah, so for me, um, uh, every, after every start that I make, I whether it's I go into my phone or I have a little journal, um, I write down what I felt right after the game, so okay. it's fresh in my mind. And I don't look at the video until the next day after because I which want, I think you were doing just a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, yeah. so I, I want my eyes to be as fresh as possible and um, really be able to reflect on what was going on with a new set of eyes and not be biased from what I felt the day before versus what the film is telling me physically. Um, so, you know, I think that has a lot of a lot of say of what's going to go into the bullpen. Um, I felt like my last uh, two innings, my fourth and fifth inning uh, last night is what I'm going to build off of, that tempo and, and, and uh, you know, allowing my body to kind of take some time to get my arm to develop into the right area that I want it to be in. So that's kind of where tomorrow's bullpen will take place, you know. So that's what I'm going to be building off of, um, and and mechanically, and then just kind of refining the command a little bit more. How many well. pitches do you typically throw um, in an after bullpen? Yeah, after so, start so bullpen, so it's, it's anywhere between about 38 to 40, and that's not a very big margin, but it's it's pretty narrowed down to that. It's it's give or take. Um, if I don't like one pitch to one side of the plate, typically I'll throw another one there if I want to. Um, or if I'm happy with it, it, it usually ends up at 38. Do both your pitching coaches watch your bullpen? Mm-hmm. So do. both Fosty and Darren and Holmes. Holmes. Yep. So do they tell you what they see? Do they let you 
bounce off ideas off them. How does yeah, that work? A, it's a good, it's a good relationship. Uh, it, it, I think that's that's one thing that that's really nice about having two guys watching, you know, your bullpen. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it's uh, hey, you know, this is what I saw. What do you think? Um, sometimes it's what do you have for us. Uh, more times than not, though, it's what do you want to work on? What do you want to, you know, what did you see? What did you feel? What do you want to get better at? Um, and here are ways that we could help you, you know, get to that. Um, so, no, it's, it's, it's really beneficial, I think. Uh, the more eyes on you, the more experience you have on you, the, the, the more you can soak up and learn. What's your relationship like with John Gray? It's good. It's really good. Um, what would you tell him at this stage of his career? The expectations are so high. And I'm on the record as saying I think he can be a really an ace type player. Yeah. Uh, Buddy, he, he had a hiccup certainly the other night, and right. he didn't pitch well in the big playoff game. Um, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you had advice now, and you're not a lot older than John certainly, but career-wise, you're older than him. What advice would you give him at this stage of his career? Yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of a lot of it uh, added pressure. You know, I think. Um, you know, just to go out there and relax and, and buy into the process because, you know, the results will come through the process. Right. Um, you know, it's it's very hard to say that one game or two games even is going to dictate somebody's career. That's not true. Sure. You know, I think even the longevity of the history of the game has shown that. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, it's going to be okay. Buy, keep, keep following your process. Keep with your routine and things are going to be all right. All right, let's ch- change subjects here real quick. Yep. Your daughter, yes. Everly Ray, yep. turned one year old. On opening day. On opening day, that's yeah. right, the 29th. The biggest birthday party ever. Really, that's amazing. <laughs> and we it's well documented what you and Christina and your daughter have been through. Uh, you're out of the woods now by all accounts, right? right? Yeah. Um, I want to give you this opportunity to... To maybe tell the Rockies fans and the people who followed your journey, what did you, what would you like to say to everybody who I think, who were yeah, so yeah, you know, I think, encouraging and so supportive of what you were going? Yeah, through? I think. Uh, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't know where to begin. I think that uh, there's not enough gratitude I can show to to all the Rockies fans that have given not only me but my wife and family support through through what we what we went through. I think they don't understand how much that not only meant to me but to my family and I think I mean we've got some really really unbelievable fans that's Nate yeah. give me a story about your daughter who is a little over one year old now yeah anything she's done recently or anything that you think <laughs> mom she melts your heart yeah, with, yeah, right yeah. I mean so, I'm sure there's something every day but so so uh, I think it was two day, two yesterday maybe it might have been yesterday so Christina never really we're walking around, I guess, uh, somewhere in like a park area in Denver, and uh, she saw a goose, and so she started chasing it, like chasing <laughs> it to the point where it's like from me to you, like, or excuse me, from you to like the trash can, which is okay. like, for, for the people that are listening, it's right. probably about six to eight feet away. Right, right, right. And Christina thought it was funny at first, and then she was like, oh, like, this could be really bad if this goose gets pissed off. <laughs> so, but she, so every, every time, Christina tried to pull Everly, like, you know, distract her another way. She was like, no, kept pointing the goose and would, like, take off. Oh, man. But, no, we have a little video of it. It's unbelievable. It's so funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. Chad, thanks for doing Thank this. Thank you. I, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. My best of well, luck this season. Thank you. And welcome back to segment three of the On the Rocks podcast. Uh, once again, my thanks to Chad Bettis, the Rockies veteran right-hander, for spending a few minutes with me. 
Tell you what, uh, Chad is truly one of the the good guys on the Rockies and one of the best guys I've ever met in sports. And I admire Chad for how he's been so open about his battle with cancer. I think he's been an inspiration to people all over the country, truly. And I still get emails from fans uh, wondering about Chad, how's he doing, praising him for being an inspiration to them. So I don't know if Chad is aware of it, but uh, he truly has been a beacon for a lot of people. So it's good to see Chad back on the mound, pitching well. It's good to see Chad healthy, and it's good to see him enjoying life with his family. So I hope you enjoyed that segment with Chad Bettis. I'm going to wrap things up and provide a few thoughts of my own on the Charlie Blackman deal. Uh, Let's start out with the deal itself. Uh, I think it's a great deal for Charlie. Uh, It could take him till age, what, 37, 38. Uh, Who knows what kind of production he's going to give the Rockies at that age. But uh, Charlie has two player options at the end of this contract, uh, which I think makes sense in a lot of ways. I think Charlie's in his prime right now, and I think considering how he takes care of his body, the discipline that he has, the commitment that he has to this profession, I can see him giving the Rockies two, perhaps even three more all-star caliber years. So I think it's a good signing. I think it sends a message to the others in the organization that if you're as committed to baseball and to being a professional as Charlie Blackman is, that you can be rewarded. Uh, Truly, Charlie Blackman is kind of the Rockies' self-made man. you got to remember, he slugged through the minors for quite a while, battling injuries, and he finally made it to the big time, and, and he's taken advantage of it in every way possible. So so I'm truly happy for him. Now the question is, how does this affect Nolan Arenado and his future with the Rockies? I know my colleague and Denver Post columnist Mark Kisla wrote a column yesterday saying that, uh, you know, he thinks this basically – sets the table for Nolan Arenado to stay. In other words, it's a message to Nolan that the Rockies are all in to win. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with Kiz. Uh, I think this is kind of a separate deal. I really don't know if Jeff Breidich in the front office has made up its mind regarding Nolan, because I don't think Nolan has made up his mind as to whether he wants to stay here. He's told me constantly that uh, the number one priority for him is winning. He's on the record as saying as much as he admires Todd Helton, he doesn't want to spend 17 years in the same organization and only go to the playoffs two times. That's what happened to Todd. Nolan doesn't want that to happen to him. So I think this season and how the pitching comes around, uh, how the Rockies front office reacts if the Rockies are in the hunt, and if they would be willing to go out on a limb to add let's say, a veteran pitcher in the second half of the season or do something to get them over the hump. I think those factors are going to play a key role into whether Nolan Arenado stays or goes. And then the other question is, is Dick Monfort willing to have two major, major commitments on this team's payroll going forward? I mean, it's going to take a lot of money to re-sign Nolan Arenado uh, some people have said well over $300 million. We'll see how the, the market plays out. Um, things were kind of weird this offseason. 
guys thought they were going to give huge long-term contracts, and they did not. Um, it's all in a state of flux. Bottom line, I'm not sure anyone can really tell you right now, Nolan included, how Charlie Blackman signing with the Rockies is going to affect Nolan's future with the team. And finally, let's talk a little bit about DJ LeMayhew, the odd man out in this situation. It's become clear to me and everybody else and to DJ himself uh, that he is the odd man out. Uh, the Rockies, of course, have Brandon Rogers coming up. They have Ryan McMahon. They have a number of other young infielders coming up through the organization. And DJ is a free agent after this year. He's been pretty blunt saying that, listen, the Rockies have not reached out to him. He doesn't expect them to reach out to him. And realistically, he kind of is resigned to the fact that this is going to be his last year in a Rockies uniform. And in a lot of ways, that's a shame. I'd love to see DJ get paid, and I think somebody will pay him uh, a decent contract. He'll get that one big deal that'll set him up for life, which is kudos to DJ. I think that's great. But I hope fans, uh, when he's gone, because it sure looks like he's going to be, I hope fans will remember what a great player DJ LeMahieu is. Uh, think about it. When's the last time you even saw DJ ever make a mental error? Uh, his range at second base is remarkable. He's so sure-handed, so quick to get the ball out of his hand and mitt and start that double play. Uh, sure, he's not a power hitter, but he comes up with some key hits. Yes, he, he hits into too many double plays, but every player has a flaw and a weakness. I mean, Trevor Story and Carlos Gonzalez strike out too much. BJ, DJ is the ultimate professional. I love watching him play. Is he as flashy as Nolan Arenado at third base? No, but he is just, I guess I'm gushing here, but I just admire DJ LeMahieu so much. I would love to see him stay, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, to me, DJ LeMahieu is that kind of linchpin player that contending teams need. Uh, I could see him going to a a contender and filling a hole and kind of slipping through the cracks. And then suddenly it comes September and October and DJ LeMahieu is making plays to save games or coming up with a key hit or moving a runner along. That's the kind of player DJ LeMahieu is. And I, I just hope that Rockies fans uh, give DJ his due, even though he's not going to get the money that his good friend and former roommate Charlie Blackman received. He's certainly not going to get the notoriety that Nolan Arenado receives, but I hope people understand what a truly great baseball player DJ LeMayhew is. Anyway, off of my soapbox. Once again, thanks for listening to this On The Rocks podcast, and thanks again to Chad Bettis for participating. It is Thursday now, and so we're hit. we have one more game here in San Diego, and then we head home for the season opener, which, according to the forecasts, call for cold and snow. I don't believe the Rockies have ever had a home opener rained or snowed out, uh, so I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to get this game in, uh, but let's hope at least it's not a miserable day, because opening day in Lodo uh, is about the coolest day of the year. It really is, and I hope the weather's good enough for everybody to enjoy it. So thanks for listening, and once again, this is Patrick Saunders. Rockies beat writer for the Denver Post, and this is the On the Rocks podcast.